Notice he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Twice we see in this chapter where Jesus says, I am the vine. In fact, he says, I'm the true vine. And we'll look at that, why that is. Because in the Old Testament, Israel was likened to a vine. Likened to a vine. Every creature's unique in a song that it sings. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Of the many pictures of the relationship between God and His people, the vine and branch picture emphasizes complete dependence and the need for constant connection. The branch depends on the vine even more than the sheep depend on the shepherd or the child depends on the father. As Jesus was about to depart from his disciples, this was important encouragement. He would remain united to them and they to him as truly as branches are connected to the main vine. We as believers must always stay connected to Jesus, who is the vine. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Last week we looked at John 14, and we talked a lot about the Holy Spirit, his, um, just his working in the life of the church, and we looked at the different relationships that we have with the Holy Spirit, and we, we saw the root of that going all the way back into the Old Testament. You know, the Spirit of God coming upon individuals, and then now in the New Testament, After Jesus was crucified and resurrected, now the Holy Spirit comes into us when we're a believer in Christ. And then it gets even better than that because he comes upon us at times to empower us for service. And that's what God does. And that's his heart's desire is to to make us useful in his hands and to glorify him because it's all about him, right? And this morning as we look at John 15, Jesus, remember, is with his disciples in the upper room uh, and he's still um, talking to them. He's still preparing them for what's coming, his, Im- his impending death and ultimately his resurrection. And Jesus told them that he would send the Spirit of God after he was glorified, that, he would, that the Spirit of God would not only be with him, with them, which he had been, and especially while Jesus was with them, but once he, Jesus is taken from them, he said, I will send the Spirit, he will come, he will dwell in you. And we saw that on the very day of his resurrection in, the up, in, in, in a room somewhere, uh, that they were gathered and the Lord breathed upon them and they received the Spirit of God and became born again. And then it was later, uh, 50 days after the Passover, on the day of Pentecost, 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven, it says that the Spirit of God came down upon the believers and empowered them. And they went out into the streets and the, Jerusalem was was filled at this time because of the Passover feast. 
And they went out and they spoke with boldness the wonderful works of God. That was the intention of what God was doing. He was going to empower them just as he empowered Peter on that same day, on the day of Pentecost, to to preach a very simple message. But 3,000 souls would be added to the church that day. That's a lot of people. And so God was in the process of working in his church. And so Jesus, now as he is continuing in this upper room, hours away before his false arrest and his false uh, arraignment and his false um, accusations and and ultimately his uh, capital punishment, which was in in every way false in what they were doing, he's still preparing them for that time. And Jesus Notice, let's just look at the first eight verses, and that may be all we get through today. We may get through the chapter, but I doubt it. (laughs) But let's look at the first eight verses. So Jesus, in that upper room, as he's preparing them, and um, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me... He is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. So a wonderful passage before us this morning, and there's a lot here. Let's look back at verse 1, because Jesus says something here. Notice, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Twice we see in this chapter where Jesus says, I am the vine. In fact, he says, I'm the true vine, and we'll look at that, why that is. Because in the Old Testament, Israel was likened to a vine, likened to a vine, and um, I would encourage you to write these four scriptures down and, and look at them in context of this idea of Jesus calling himself the true vine. Because Israel was the vine throughout the scripture. Let's look at, just look at some passages in Psalms, verse 80. Beginning in verse 7, it says, Restore, this is a psalm of Asaph, he said, Restore us, O God of hosts, and cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt, and you have cast out the nations and planted it. Who is this vine that was brought out of Egypt? It was Israel, wasn't it? And you have cast out the nations, those seven nations, the Canaanites. He cast them out and he brought them, the the, uh, Israelites, into that land and gave it to them and planted it. In verse 9 it says, And you prepared room for it and you caused it to take deep root. And it filled the land and the hills were covered with its shadow and the mighty cedars with its bows. She sent out her bows to the sea and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? 
The boar out of the woods uproots it, and the wild beast of the field devours it. And then here is the cry of Asaph, which was certainly the cry of the people of Israel. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine. So in context, we see that this vine is Israel. This this vine this that would take root after it came into that land of Canaan, and God caused them to destroy Joshua and the men of Israel, to destroy all those nations that had been in idolatry for hundreds of years, doing unspeakable things, sacrificing their children to false gods and engrossed in sexual immorality, and you name it, they did it. And God had, there's a moment where God says, that's it. I'm going to bring judgment, and I'm going to use my people to be that hammer that comes into the land. And he did. He drove them all out, little by little, and he planted this vine that he had taken out of Egypt, and he planted them in that land. And they spread, and like, like a vine would spread across the ground. And even the major prophets of the Old Testament, thinking of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they all attest to this as the Lord spoke through them of Israel. And even of Jerusalem, personified as this vine. Turn with me to Isaiah 5, and we're going to look at uh, some of these. It's important to see. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, is really upbraiding the children of Israel because they had great responsibility. God had given them the very oracles of God. He had given them so much, and they had a purpose. God had a plan and a purpose for them, And in their process of figuring this all out, they failed. They failed. Like you and I would fail too, because none of us are perfect. But they rather went into idolatry. They began to be like their neighbors and bow down to images. And God had to judge them. He had to bring judgment upon them. Yes, God would use Israel as a judgment to other nations, but he would also use other nations to chasten or even judge his people. Not to the end of destroying them, but to chasten them. There was always instruction involved in it. Because he was never going to eradicate his people altogether. He would cause the, you know, the spear to come after them and the sword, but ultimately he would redeem them, and ultimately he would restore them to their land. And ultimately he did in 1948, and he will continue that process even into the millennial reign, which is still ahead of us yet. But notice in Isaiah 5, look at the first seven verses. It says, Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. And he built a tower in its midst and also made a winepress in it. And so he expected it to bring forth good grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done to my vineyard that I have not done to it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? It's a very good question. So God is really taking them to task on their idolatry and taking them to task on their wickedness. And notice in verse 5, he says, And now, please, let me tell you what I'll do to my vineyard. Yes, God is a God of love, but he's also a God of of severity, especially when it comes to sin. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Never forget that. He hates our sin with a passion, but he loves the sinner. 
And so his intention is to bring them. But he says, And now please tell me what, uh, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and I'll break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns, and I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain on it. And notice verse 7, here it is. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. Again, the vineyard had a purpose. And the vine had a purpose. And instead of being a shining example of, of God's faithfulness and all that God had done, rather they succumbed to what we have as well just giving in to the lower nature and in our sin. And notice in Jeremiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 20. He says, For of old I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds, and you said I will not transgress. And, and, And Israel did that right after the commandments were given. And even before then, uh, they said that we will, we will do what the Lord says. Whatever you tell us, Lord, we will do. And those are really great words. It is. They're great words, but they were empty because they didn't have the heart within them to obey. They were still bent on rebellion. And God knew this, of course. And that's why he brought the Ten Commandments and the other commandments to prove to them that word, that law, was a schoolmaster, a tutor to show them that they can't keep the law and to show what God's holy standard was. And they could not. And actually, many of them would not. And you said, I will not transgress, when on every high hill, God says, and under every green tree, you lay down playing the harlot, meaning their their idolatry. And yet I planted you a noble vine, notice that, a seed of the highest quality. I, I, I cultivated you. I gave you everything. I gave you vineyards that you didn't even have to, to, to furrow the rows. I, I, when you came into the land of Canaan, you inherited everything that they'd been doing for hundreds of years. You didn't have to do a whole lot. I cultivated you. I, I prepared things for you. I gave you everything. Yet I have planted you a noble vine, a seed of the highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? For though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. And again, the Lord just bringing them to task. Look at Ezekiel 15, please. Take a look at that. Ezekiel 15. And we're going to look at the whole chapter. It's fairly short. Ezekiel 15, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, how is the wood of the vine better than any other wood? The vine branch, which which is among the trees of the forest, is wood taken from it to make any object? The answer is no. Or can men make a peg from it to hang any vessel on? The obvious answer is no. Instead, it is thrown into the fire for fuel. The fire devours both ends of it, and its middle is burned. Is it useful for any work? 
Indeed, when it was whole, no object could be made from it. How much less will it be useful for any work when the fire has devoured it, and it is burned? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, like the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so I will give up the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will set my face against them, and they will go out from out from one fire, but another fire shall devour them. And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them. Thus will I make the land desolate because they have persisted in unfaithfulness, says the Lord God. And so they were the vine and they were unfaithful. And so Israel was likened to a vine again, but the, the vine had failed. And the people failed morally, as also did the leadership, the, the Levitical priesthood, the leaders, they all failed. And that is why Jesus said here that he is the true vine. He is actually the embodiment of what they weren't and never were. He is the vine. And when you think of a vine, you think of something that get, all the other branches off the vine gets its nutrients from that one vine. And Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father, notice, is the husbandman in the King James, or vine dresser in the New King James. I am the true vine. As we've been going through the Gospel of John, we have noticed seven different things, seven different I am statements that Jesus had made. You know, that he was the bread of life, that he was the light of the world, that he was the door of the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, in this last I am statement, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And again, why is this significant? Because when Jesus, or excuse me, when Moses was before the fiery bush in the desert, you remember that God spoke to him out of that fiery bush. And God had a plan for Moses. Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to tell my people to, I'm going to bring them out and I'm going to use you to do it. You're going to be the leader. You're going to bring them out. And you remember what Moses said. He says, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, this is Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 13. When I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, uh, and they say to me, well, what is his name and what shall I say to them? And God said to him, I am who I am. And the Jews knew when Jesus said, I am, they knew exactly what he was doing. He was declaring his deity. He was affirming his deity. I am this. I am that. Jesus went through seven times in this gospel and says, I am all of these things. And remember, a number of times they grabbed stones to stone him because of blasphemy. Now, if it wasn't true, it would be blasphemy, but he is God. He is the great I am. He is the the one. He was the one who was speaking out of the bush to Moses on that day when he was in the backside of the desert. Jesus is God. And the world needs to know that because there are world religions that think he's, well, he's just a good man, he's a good prophet. Hey, listen, if that's the end of your religion, you're going to die in your sins. Because you have to come to the the, the fact that Jesus is God Almighty. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Nothing that was made wasn't made without Him knowing about it. He was the Creator, and He and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This Word, who was equal with God, became flesh. We know that was Him in His incarnation through the Virgin Mary. Behold, the Virgin shall conceive and bear a son. 
And what is his name going to be called? Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Yes, this Jesus. In fact, this gospel, the whole theme of it, you recall, is written for us in John chapter 20 in the very last verse. It says, But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. That's what it's all about. And so when he made this last I am statement, he's basically affirming again, I am who I am. I am God Almighty. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that he is the great I am? Whatever you need, God is there for you. He's not going to leave you. Whatever your need is, it doesn't matter how great it is. It could be something simple. It could be something really huge. Let me tell you something. There's nothing so big in this world that God can't overcome. There's nothing too small that he won't stoop to help you with either. It makes no difference to him. He can do the big as well as the small. It's, it's equally as easy. Because look at who we're talking about. This is the one who spoke all things into existence when there was nothing. Try doing that sometime. Try going to the Harvard professors and the guys at Princeton and Yale and Oxford and go to them and say, hey, can you, um, can you make something that's never been made? Can you make something out of nothing? Well, well of course we can. Prove it. Prove it. They can't. they got to use the material that he called into existence to make anything, and even that's imperfect. But God made everything perfect. Everything he made, he said, and it was good when he made it. He made it, and it was good. Amen? And he made you, and he said, it's good, good. Until Satan slipped in, and until our own will engaged But notice back in our text in verse 2, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, unfortunately, this verse has wounded many of Christians over the years. You You know, looking into the Greek at a few words changes the whole tenor of this verse. And it's important to do that. If you don't have a Strong's Concordance, get one. Or if you've got a, uh, I use Olive Tree. It's a Bible app that I use on my iPad, and I love it. It's great. And you can get these tools, and you can start looking at what these things mean. And yes, learn what they say in the original language, because sometimes the translators, when they translated something from the Hebrew or to the Greek, put in a word that may not mean a whole lot to you. But looking at the original, sometimes, and this is a good case in point, it changes the whole tenor of the whole passage. Because at first reading, you might think that God is angry. If you're not going to pull your weight and shaping up, I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to take you out. Ugh. I mean, is that really who God is? And yet, this verse has been used to beat so many people over the years, to manipulate them, to make them feel bad about themselves. Hey, I feel bad about myself enough. I don't need the scripture to beat me up. But you know what? They use that. But when it says, takes away here... Um, it means something completely different. You know, God is loving and he's just, and he is a God who hates sin. Don't get me wrong. And we, we, are, we know that very to be true. But as a born-again believer, you are treated as the bride of Christ. After you become a believer, you are the bride of Christ. And can you imagine any husband treating his bride harshly? Dragging her through the That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.